0: The following is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. Welcome everyone to Election Connection on Forward Radio WFMP 106.5. FM, Your Grand Central Station for finding out what's going on locally, nationally, internationally, and internally as we muddle through this pandemic together. I'm your host, Ruth Newman, and today I have my two favorite co-hosts. <laughs> With me, Melissa Morganson and Victoria Strange. Hello. Hi there. Formerly Mel and Vic of Two Angry Buds, a show currently in hibernation, which we hope will reemerge someday. Today, in keeping with our attention to what's on the ballot, we will be holding a magnifying glass to the two major party candidates for U.S. Senate. Republican Mitch McConnell, the incumbent, and Democrat Amy McGrath. For those of you who have already voted, stick around, there's lots to learn. But especially for those of you who have not yet voted, listen up and then get a move on and vote. There are four polling stations open and ready to take your filled-in ballot. And I'll be providing you with more details on that at the end of this discussion. Okay, now let's start out with the guy who's been in office since 1984. That's 36 years, good old Mitch McConnell. And Uh, what have you got to say about Mitch McConnell? Well, there's a
1: lot to say about him. I'm going to stick mostly to the facts, although I know I'm going to elaborate on at least one little point. First of all, he was named for his dad, and his full name is Addison Mitchell, yes, McConnell, Madison. Jr. No wonder he likes going by Mitch <laughs> rather than Addison. He was born in Alabama in 1942. And here's where I'm going to elaborate. In early, early in his life, at age two, he was partially paralyzed in the upper portion of one leg by polio. Right. And he has said publicly that his family, quote, almost went broke, end of quote, due to the costs associated with his illness, and that probably includes rehab and everything else, because he could have been permanently disabled, but he got treatment, and he's not disabled. So you have to wonder why someone who recognizes that his life was changed for the better, because of health care, but only because his family could afford to pay for it, and even then, it very nearly broke their bank. Right. Why would he so why be, does why? He deny
2: it the rest of Kentucky That's, and the country?
1: That is my one point of elaboration, because when I read that, I had never heard the part about his family almost went broke. No. I mean, to me, that would that would be a life-changing memory it? that you would not want to deny other people health care. I just don't get it.
0: And it's interesting to note also that Amy McGrath's mother had polio as well.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. it, was, it, was, that was, uh, it was prevalent. Yeah, it, and it, right. it's, chi- it's a childhood disease, right? It I doesn't... think it affected everyone. Oh, OK. Yeah. I thought it was a lot of children, too. But it did affect a lot of children. Just struck me at the moment I read that I just went oh my gosh this is unbelievable his dad was in the army and uh, was stationed to uh, base in Georgia in 1950 so they moved from Alabama to Georgia when McConnell was eight years old in 1956 they moved to Louisville and I don't know why I assume maybe another posting uh, on the part of his dad and McConnell graduated from Manuel High School <laughs> Where my two children also attended, he was the student council president in his junior year, and uh, so his his interest in politics and politicking dates from a pretty early age. In 1964, he received a bachelor's degree in political science at U of L, where he was president of the student council of the College of Arts and Sciences. In 1963, and this also just gives you a little bit of cognitive dissonance when you think about it, if you know his record in the past decades. But anyway, he attended the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, where Martin Luther King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech. And he also attended civil rights rallies in the following year as well, in 64, uh, when he also interned for, I think this was a Kentucky Senator, John Sherman Cooper. He was a Kentucky Senator. And this was the gentleman who inspired him to run for the U.S. Senate. In 1967, he graduated from the U.K. College of Law with his law degree, where he was president of the (laughs) Student Bar Association. I mean, he was obviously interested in leadership. leadership. Uh Now, this is also very interesting. He enlisted in the U.S. Army Reserve in 67 and served for something like five weeks of training at Fort Knox when he received a diagnosis of optic neuritis, which has got to be something to do with your eye, eye or eyes, and he was honorably discharged as medically unfit to serve. The other thing about enlisting in the Army Reserve was already considered a really great place to be because Army Reserve units were rarely sent to Vietnam and this of course was during the Vietnam War
2: way to serve without serving.
1: <laughs> from 68 to 70, he served as an aide to Senator Marlo Cook, who I believe was from Kentucky. So he was in D.C., I guess, a good bit of the time during those two years. In 1971, he returned to Louisville from D.C. and decided to run for the Kentucky State Legislature, but he did not meet the residency requirements, so he could not do so at that time. He also worked at a law firm and taught night classes in political science at L for a few years. Then in 74 he was called back to D.C. to serve as the Deputy Assistant Attorney General under President Gerald Ford. I had forgotten this. Where he worked alongside people like Antonin Scalia and Robert Bork, the infamous Robert Bork. In 1977 he was elected Jefferson County, judge, executive, and that was the first and last time I ever voted for Mitch McConnell. And he was reelected to that same position in 1981. Then in 84, he ran for and won his U.S. Senate seat, which he has now held for six consecutive six-year terms. He's been in the U.S. Senate longer than my 35-year-old daughter has been alive. And he's been in the U.S. Senate for half of my adult life, so I really can't even remember the senator before him.
0: According to, uh, I think it was Wikipedia, said that he did start out as a moderate. He did. And then he took a turn.
1: He used to support a woman's right to choose, he was in support of labor unions, he was in support of civil rights for African-Americans and so forth. I guess the political winds shifted because he is also known as a master tactician and strategist. And so maybe when he saw that the winds were blowing in another direction, he just went in that direction and he figured that's the way I'm going to win elections. Another very interesting thing that I did not know, he's known of course as a major obstructionist when there are (laughs) Democrats in the White House. And one of the things he apparently noticed is that when George W. Bush was president, the Democrats who worked with the Republicans during that administration on things like No Child Left Behind and the Medicare prescription drug thing, Part D, he believed they helped George W. Bush get reelected in 2004 because he had these legislative accomplishments he could tout and they, he was only able to achieve them with some democratic votes. Right. So McConnell decided there was no point in cooperating oh, once Barack Obama got into the White House because you know, it would only help Obama and thus help Democrats. Nowhere in this calculation that I can discern is there any uh, consideration given to the needs or desires of the American people. Yes. It's, all it's all about the party. Me. Anyway, I thought that was very interesting that, you know, when he made that famous statement that their whole objective of the Republican Party should be to make Obama a one-term president. And then, during Obama's presidency, you know, there was just unprecedented obstruction. And even so, Obama got reelected in 2012. But he made it so difficult for... Yes, so
2: the people spoke and he did not listen.
1: Yes. That's what I said. Nowhere in here is there anything about the people he's supposed to be serving the American people, the people of Kentucky, but the American people in general, especially as the majority leader in the Senate. And apparently majority leader has been kind of his life's goal. He was majority whip from I think 2001 till 2006, and that 2006 during the Bush years is when the Democrats got control of the Congress again, so he became the minority leader. Then he was elected majority leader after the uh, midterms in 2014, and that is has really apparently been a longtime dream of his, to be the majority leader. He's never wanted to run for president. Well, apparently. you
0: know, he has a net worth right now, according to Wikipedia, $22.5 million, and according to the Washington Post, over $34 million wow. is his net worth. He didn't start out that way. Mm Did not start out that way. You don't get that rich on that kind of a salary.
1: No. Another big part of that wealth is a gift from his father-in-law.
0: Right. Elaine
1: Chao's father of multi millions of dollars. Who is a shipping magnate or something in China? Yes. Right. He has a big shipping company and is extremely wealthy. And
2: yes, Mitch married
1: up. There was a discussion that Louisville Public Media had a year and a half or so ago about McConnell that was very interesting. Apparently he treats his staff and you know people that work with him very very well, but at the same time again where is that concern when it comes to your constituents? American people. Yes, I wish that he had a little more concern for the rest of us.
0: Well he's gotten lots and lots of funding from special interests I have here that in 2010, he requested earmarks for a defense contractor BAE Systems while the company was under investigation by the Department of Justice for alleged bribery of foreign officials. Then he interceded twice to get federal grants for Alltech, whose president, Pierce Lyons, made subsequent campaign contributions to McConnell to build a plant in Kentucky for producing ethanol from algae, corn cobs, and switchgrass. And then McConnell later criticized President Obama for mentioning biofuel production from algae. <laughs> so, sort of hypocritical. And the tobacco industry, he had a very tight relationship with the tobacco industry. and. He repeatedly cast doubt, according to NPR, National Public Radio. I quote, McConnell repeatedly cast doubt on the health consequences of smoking, repeated industry talking points word for word, attacked federal regulators at the industry's request, and opposed bipartisan tobacco regulations going back decades. And you know he's very anti-regulation. <laughs> yes. And then because of that, he received millions of dollars from the tobacco companies in speaking fees, personal gifts, campaign contributions, and charitable donations to the McConnell Center.
1: Oh yes, Yes. the McConnell Center. He
0: found his success going that route, the money in politics route, which is definitely a route to winning elections because we have that kind of a system right now. And
1: speaking of the McConnell Center, didn't the Courier Journal try to find out for ages who the donors were to the McConnell Center? Yeah, was, I think we never found out. It's been kept under wraps. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow, I don't know what the upshot was, but I I can't remember if it was originally the Koch brothers just came in and, and created their own business
2: program. So at
1: U of L. Yeah. So, they can be sure to train those students in the
2: proper hypnotic <laughs> response to big business. Yes, that's f- right.
1: To, in the quote unquote free market? Free market, yes. <laughs> I remember there was some long tug yeah. of war to try to just find out who donated to the McConnell well, Center.
2: At the UofL, they
1: keep all the
2: donors very secret,
1: very tight. Yes.
0: He's always been opposed to any kind of campaign finance laws, including revealing any funding sources.
1: Was it in 2010 when the McCain-Feingold bill was passed, which was at least some attempt to minimize dark money from secret donors to campaigns and maybe putting limits on donors? I don't know all the details, but I know that bill, McConnell, was an implacable opponent of that bill because, you know, God forbid that you try to curb the influx of big money into politics and I wish I had more details of how he pushed this anti-McCain Feingold effort and it went all the way to the Supreme Court and he's one of those people who believes that money equals free speech.
0: He opposed the stricter campaign finance laws culminating in the Supreme Court ruling that partially overturned the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, or McCain Feingold, in 2010.
1: Maybe it led to Citizens yeah, United.
0: Right, I'm
1: sure. When they pretty much obliterated. But they kept saying, oh, but this means that unions can donate oh, yeah, as much gets, as they want to as well uh, corporations can today. but so can yeah, unions right. but they've decimated the the, the number unions of unions so committed. hugely that they're very you know t- compared with the number of people in america who used to be in unions it's a tiny percentage yes, now right in the i've
2: d- heard that it's picking up it's picking up pandemic. again
1: Yes, wouldn't it be nice if workers could actually negotiate better working conditions during a pandemic? Yes, and actually have a job. And
0: not be able to be forced to work
1: shoulder to shoulder with someone with no masks and no
0: COVID. And And that's something that McConnell mentioned in the debate, too. He said that, that he had a bill that he was trying to pass in the Senate. I guess I think it was the HEALS Act, and he was saying that it's Nancy Pelosi that is stymieing everything. <laughs> well, that bill that he was trying to pass in the Senate has a liability clause in it of that course. allows any company that is hiring people back to work during the pandemic to not have any liability when right. it comes, yeah. yeah. Like the meatpacking industry, <laughs> mm-hmm. for example
1: or any company.
0: company. company. And that was what he was touting as uh, his answer to COVID-19.
1: Of course. Eliminate any responsibility to provide safe working conditions. And I get it. I mean, I can see if I were a business owner and I had a small business, it might be very tough. How can you provide totally safe working conditions against something that's... Mm-hmm. easily transmissible and yeah. not curable and not we don't even have really decent treatment. therapeutic treatment mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. but at the same time he, he's not thinking about small business people yeah. he's thinking oh. about people like the Smithfield company with the you know the meatpacking industry yeah. yes mm-hmm. the big big corporations yeah.
0: mm-hmm. and there has to be a middle ground and, and yeah there to has
1: to be. be yeah so
0: I just uh, wanted to read about some of the bills that he has sat on in in the Senate.
1: In this most recent
0: few years? As of December of 2019, he has sat on 332 bills.
1: Passed by the Democratic House and not allowed to even
0: which is 80% of the bills that the House has passed. I just
1: want to know how one single individual can do that. One single person has so much power that they can stop progress for the entire country.
0: I still think it all boils down to money and politics, that this would not be an issue if people were not hands in the cookie jar. All all the time, special interests.
1: And I guess that that means he can even ignore any pressure he gets from his constituents, because surely he does get pressure from his constituents, unless they've. After thirty-six years, they've pretty much given up. He certainly
2: gets pressure from me. Yes, personally.
1: Yes, (laughs) you can just reliably know that he is always going to side with a big money providing (laughs) or campaign funding. Yeah. Entity They're over the job people.
2: Creators.
1: Oh yeah, the jo- <laughs> <laughs> they
2: make-believe job creators who are really just pocketing <laughs> cash, not
0: creating any jobs. I just have a little sampling of some of the bills he sat on: the Protecting Americans with Preexisting Conditions Act, Strengthening oh, yeah. Healthcare and Lowering Prescription Drug Costs Act, Climate Action Now, Raise The Wage Act, that's to raise the minimum wage, and actually he voted 16 times against raising the minimum wage. The Bipartisan Background Checks Act. For gun
1: control. For gun control.
0: (laughs) Violence Against Women Reauthorization Act.
1: That used to be a no-brainer, bipartisan thing that passed with no debate
2: we want women to be battered and
1: killed, <laughs> apparently, the Republicans don't, do. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's just like, how can it be partisan on this COVID pandemic? It can infect anyone,
0: Republican or Democrat. If, if anything should be unifying <laughs> us, it should be COVID. Yes. Right.
1: I'm sure we all still remember, although there have been so many incredibly mind-blowing news event since this time that we may not remember that it was only less than two short years ago that we had the longest government shutdown in American history and McConnell was a key part of that. From December 22, 2018 until January 25, 2019 the federal government was shut down because Congress was not giving in to Trump's demand that $5.7 billion in federal (laughs) funds for his beloved border wall between U.S. and Mexico be included in the big appropriations bill they were considering. And during this entire shutdown, even though the Republican-controlled Senate had unanimously, that means no votes against it, passed an appropriations bill that did not include the wall funding, McConnell would not allow it to be brought up for a vote and by January 23rd apparently he had blocked four Senate bills to reopen the government and he called for the Democrats to start supporting Trump's wall funding so that they could pass this appropriations bill well apparently President Trump was feeling some heat and he finally said well I'll sign a measure reopening the government for three weeks (laughs) So on January 25th, President Trump signed a spending measure that reopened the government for up until February 15th, even though that bill didn't include the funds for his wall. But there was so much heat generated during those three weeks that they went ahead and Trump finally gave in and said he would sign the bill reopening the government. However, the same day he signed it, apparently, he declared a national emergency with regard to the border. had his administration divert billions of dollars that had been allotted by Congress for other purposes, to build the wall. And I think that's now in court, and he might have already had one ruling against him, because that's completely blatantly unconstitutional. You know, when you think about it, McConnell, he's this master of the U.S. Senate rules. You know, why is he saying that the president has the right? to just unilaterally decide he's going to change the purpose for which Congress has already appropriated the funds. That is completely unconstitutional, I'm sure. Yes. Because Congress has the purse strings.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and he also was in support of the arms deal for Saudi Arabia, yes, right. yeah.
1: where um, Saudi Arabia is bombing and killing all these civilians. In and by the way, they
2: were the ones who bombed and killed us, right?
1: The Saudis, yes. yes weren't the those
2: Saudis the people were the ones and, who sent yeah. the planes over for us? And crashed 9/11? into the, yes. But let's send them more bombs because you know. And then
1: start a war against why did we fight a war yeah, against Iraq? It. They had nothing to do with well, it. But. and how many trillions of dollars did that cost bomb us?
0: Iran. You know, so now we're in these high flutin deals with Saudi Arabia. <laughs> the Senate voted seventy one to twenty seven against the Chris Murphy Rand Paul resolution to block the 1.15 billion dollar arms deal with Saudi Arabia.
1: Good for Rand Paul.
0: The Saudi Arabian-led coalition in Yemen was accused of war crimes. And yet following the vote, McConnell said, no, I think it's important to the United States to maintain as good a relationship with Saudi Arabia as possible. Yeah, right.
1: I just read a really lengthy article in the New York Times about this. And apparently there is some question and probably well-founded concern that U.S. officials can be held responsible for war crimes by okaying this sale. But apparently there were enough people in this administration, the Trump administration, who were concerned about it that it got held up for a couple of years. And Pompeo figured out a way around it. I can't remember all the details, but yeah because you are complicit you know that the bombs are being used to can you imagine if someone were doing this to our civilians
0: i mean also i think he gets a hundred percent rating from the nra opposed to all of gun control we're talking
1: about mcconnell right
0: yeah mcconnell he voted against expanding background checks for gun purchases after the Orlando nightclub shooting, the deadliest mass shooting by a lone gunman in American history. There were four gun measures that came up for a vote and all were rejected. And McConnell opined that Democrats were using the shooting as a political talking point. He also opposes restoring voting rights for felons. And he has blocked a range of bipartisan proposals to improve election security and the threat of foreign election interference. And, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Election Connection on WFMP 106.5 FM with me, your host, Ruth Newman, and my guests today, Victoria Strange and Melissa Morganson. Today's show is all about our two major party candidates for U.S. Senator. Mitch McConnell and Amy McGrath.
1: We could talk about the debate. This was the very recent debate between Amy McGrath and Mitch McConnell, the only debate.
2: The very first question she answered perfectly, and I said, okay, that's all, and I turned it on.
1: (laughs) I know that he would refuse to allow a female to moderate the debate.
2: Yes, right. Which Uh, is... How interesting as that. Yes.
1: That's another thing. Why do we just have one debate? We have this endless, yes. endless election season with negative ads galore. Yeah, let's
2: talk about those ads. Well, we could have a whole
0: show. <laughs> we could do that. I'm for it. I know. Because that is the problem that we face. That's that why is. people become such cynics. I do think so, too. And just want so to too. turn away because... Uh, it's endless. Yeah.
1: Although, they, in they McConnell's are. case, I don't know how much of a positive ad you can make about him. I mean... No, right. I mean, I'm sure he does. His campaign does, but... I love it. his
2: ads. Every single one of them says, Amy McGrath is too extreme. Yeah. She's with Kamala and Pelosi and that really objectionable Biden. Oh, and, gosh. And, and you have to- People, what have
0: they been listening to? Because, in fact, she's a moderate. Yeah, she's
1: very moderate.
0: And her husband is a lifelong Republican. As a matter of fact, you know, he couldn't vote for her in the primary. Because he's a registered (laughs) Republican?
2: Well, wasn't she accused of being a Trump Democrat?
0: Yes. So yes. they yeah. can have their cake and eat it too. I know she's c- perceived by
1: many on the more progressive end of the Democratic Party as way too wishy-washy. But yes, um, yes right. You know she obviously has some idea of public service, which yes. I think McConnell actually truly had at that the beginning of his career. I think be, he was yes, interested right. in public service, but certainly not anymore. I mean, you can just see that in his voting record. It's clear as a bell. Yes. yes. And and another thing that I hope Amy McGrath is stressing, and I'm not sure whether this is the case, is another elephant in the room that I don't even know if it got asked about in the debate between McGrath and McConnell because I missed it, I'm so sorry to say, but it's the climate crisis. And Mitch McConnell constantly talking about Obama's war on coal, and you know the war (laughs) on coal, which is
0: he did. He did talk about the war which
1: is insane. I mean, the coal industry has been going down and down and down for a long time. There was a great editorial in the Courier Journal this morning about this. She didn't uh, say that. She
0: didn't.
2: It's it's the marketplace. War on coal. Because it's dying a natural
0: death. Yes. Yeah, no, you yes. blamed Obama for that.
1: And Ridiculous. and this editorial in the Courier Journal this morning pointed out that since Ronald Reagan's administration, that coal has just been dropping yeah. its share of the economy has been dropping like a stone.
2: Well they no longer need employees. They
1: do it. Yes, all. They, they, do they do it just all blow mechanically. Up the Away, yes, basically. another great idea. Rip great blow idea. off the top of a mountain and block all the streams and Destroy to burn coal, heart. which is yeah. destroying our planet. Yeah. And I don't understand how you can't make this a huge winning issue because clean energy will require some. It will be a huge so project jobs. like rebuilding yes. Europe after World War II, high so many jobs.
2: jobs, high paying
1: jobs, high paying jobs exactly that it. have to I be done here, it. they can't be outsourced to China.
2: Yeah. So instead we go back to the old ways.
1: Yes, let's keep blowing the tops off of mountains, we're not really employing anyone in that industry anymore, no, not at all. and even when they've been in the deep shaft mines, those people who have black lung, we can't yeah, even support right. their health care. No. I just don't get it. I don't, I get, don't get how it. you can't make that a huge winning argument because it's like the non-existent infrastructure bill that yeah, Trump right. has been promising us for four years. It would be like the drive to put man on the moon, yeah. people on the moon. Politically <laughs> <To be laughs> exactly correct, but you know, it would take an all hands on deck all yes. over the country. A lot of people who are currently unemployed could get a wonderful job. I don't understand it. And we'd be saving our planet and our children's future yes. in the process.
2: And by the way, why are oil companies not figuring out how to get off the oil, fossil fuel? You'd remove? think
1: they would be jumping at it. I was hoping Amy McGrath said something about the Green New Deal, <laughs> which would be wonderful for the country. But
0: He kept on. associating her with the Green New Deal. Now, the to me, that is a huge
1: positive. Yeah. And if I were a Democratic candidate, I would jump on that. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. It's too
2: extreme, huh? And don't too expensive. You know? Well, too they
1: expensive. always talk about it's too expensive, but they never ever say that when they're handing out gigantic tax cuts that add yeah. a trillion dollars to the deficit. That's all fine. Yeah. I don't understand that. You now,
0: The thing that really upset me about the debate was sticking to generalities and not catching the candidates on specifics that they were being very um, deceptive about. When I say they, I mean he. (laughs) But yeah, her main argument I think in most all of this was to look right at the camera and say, Kentuckians, are you better now than you were before Mitch McConnell came into office? Just asking the viewers yeah. Whether Kentucky improved during McConnell's um, 36, 36 years. years. <laughs> and, no. and then she read off some statistics, you know, that we have uh, the highest cancer rates. We have the highest pollution.
1: Education uh, so is near, know, the, this, near the bottom, isn't it?
0: Yeah.
2: Yes.
1: Health issues Health are near the bottom. About the
2: heat island, aren't we? The yes. number one heat island in the whole universe? Kentucky,
1: uh, Louisville.
0: Louisville, yes. yes, yeah, and we have the most poverty, <laughs> yes, I mean, right. we have a lot of poverty.
1: We're, we're near the bottom in almost all these it's statistics that they measure, yes, and separate. that's another thing I, I read or found in my research about McConnell is he was a big fan of earmarks. Remember when they could still do earmarks, which only within the last what, yes. six or seven that's years? got outlawed so he pork. would always brag in his election campaigns right. and still does about you know bringing bring home the, the bacon you know the pork and, barrel yeah. politics and meanwhile yeah, the whole right. time over all these years Kentucky is at the bottom of the pork barrel yes. I mean, they're at the bottom <laughs> of the barrel yeah. I know. Yes. if he's bringing home all this wonderful uh, largesse right. that's supposed to help the people
0: where is it, where's it
1: going and why, why there, isn't it is
0: helping it? the people Right. Right, a oh, good question. Awful. So now that we're on to Amy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we just keep oh, talking God. about Mitch. I, I know. <laughs> well, I'm just going to read a little bit from the New York Times, uh, July 2018, that says Like other female candidates, Ms. McGrath, 43, and now she's 45, right? was jolted into political action by President Trump's election, but she had her mother already driving her. Though polio restricted her mother's life, it did not define her. Her mother's name was Marion. And Marion went on to become a a pediatrician after enduring rampant sexism at the University of Kentucky College of Medicine. Then oh. after suffering from post polio syndrome wow. and losing the use of her left leg where she couldn't stand for rounds anymore, wow. she went back to school at night and completed a residency in psychiatry and became wow. a psychiatrist. That she sounds a like a turban woman. really interesting person. Yeah. And you know, right. it
1: reminds me a little bit of my own mom. with Because yeah, right? yeah. she was in medicine in the days when women had to battle. A lot of they sexism. This probably, probably still do, yes.
0: And her husband Donald was a high school teacher. And then one of Amy's sisters said, "We generally just look at Mom and say she's able to do anything, <laughs> <laughs> and we look at our lives and we think the same thing. So that's kind of how she was able to have all of this energy and drive
1: yeah, to well, do what she did in
0: her life, because yeah. she's certainly done a lot." <laughs> She got a B.S. in political science from the United States Naval Academy. She's certified for legislative studies from Georgetown University. She got her M.A. in international global security from Johns Hopkins University. Wow.
1: I didn't know this about her. And then she
0: graduated from a program for emerging leaders from the Center for the Study of Weapons of Mass Destruction, National Defense University. She's had a a very long military career. Yeah. Um, And
1: she's a fighter pilot, right?
0: Yes. And she flew 89 combat flight missions over 12 years. Her awards include the Meritorious Service Medal, Strike Flight Air Medals, Navy Marine Corps Commendation Medal, Navy Achievement Medal, Presidential Unit Citation, and Iraqi-Afghan Campaign Medals. Wow. Yeah.
1: With that record, if she were a man, she would be a shoe-in.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Well, it sounds to me like she would be also quite Qualified to chime in on foreign policy yes, with that degree from Johns Hopkins. Yes, I mean, this right? she sounds like an extremely well qualified individual <laughs> yes, to be in the yes. United States Senate representing Kentucky. Yes. I she can't...
0: also taught political science at the Naval Academy. Wow. So 2014 to 2017. Well,
1: our <laughs> listeners can probably guess who we voted for. <laughs> guess who i uh, no, I right. just, I, this is a funny do story. It. I was walking my dogs this morning and I saw a yard sign, which I recognized. It said, 24 years is long enough. Uh, <laughs> defeat <laughs> Mitch. And I thought, wow, that sign needs to be updated. And I want to come back with a big sharpie and exit out and put. 36, 36 years. years. Aye, aye, <laughs> and I thought, my aye. gosh, you know, those people have probably been putting that sign out for the last two. I know, it gets discouraging. And then when, when you think about it, I know, and, and when you think about another six years, ah. <laughs> and especially now with
0: all the crises. If you go to her website, you will see all of her policy platforms, and um, they're pretty good.
1: And they're certainly not extreme. So
0: make Kentucky
2: great again (laughs) would have you think otherwise. (laughs) With their thing about, oh, she believes in choice up to the ninth
0: month, which is a bunch of
2: bugaboo. It's not true.
0: She says, we must expand health care protections, protect our elections, and defend Social Security and Medicare. She supports a Medicare buy-in option for those over the age of 55. She's for the overturning of Citizens United.
1: Yes, um, good. She
0: wants to renew national investments in 21st century infrastructure.
1: Yes, wasn't that something Trump was going to do, remember? Right. She he talked about yes. that all the time.
0: She says, quote, we need new federal grants for small business development in our communities and we need to reward entrepreneurs and small business owners by making our tax system fairer to our small businesses. She says, both from a security and an economic standpoint, we need to invest in renewable energy. So much of her life has been spent in the military. She comes at it from the military vantage. And she says, our military is already one of the biggest proponents of renewable energy research. Sure. Why? Because it saves lives and makes more strategic sense. Forward operating bases overseas do not have to be constantly refueled with traditional forms of energy like petroleum, which require vulnerable ground supply lines and are subject to potentially volatile markets. Um, She wants to expand solar and wind production in Kentucky.
1: Yes. Be a lot better than trying to save the dwindling number of coal jobs. I mean, why not create a bunch of new jobs?
2: Exactly. Why not? And you
1: don't have to contract black lung when you're working on solar and wind installations. Yes, what a thing.
0: She supports Obamacare, the uh, Affordable Care Act.
1: She does say in her ads, I've heard that she wants to fix the parts Fix, that need yeah, fixing. Right. and
0: Well, she says I mean, here on my, her website, so... as we face a global pandemic, it's more important than ever to preserve and expand access to care. And she says, Mitch tried repeatedly to repeal the ACA, make sure he doesn't get another chance. Uh-huh. Now, I went to Vote Smart, which is a really good website if you want to look up people with a track record and they sent out a bunch of questions for her and she answered some of them, but not all of them. She didn't answer their questions on immigration.
2: Well, she's a moderate.
0: I I also have a bunch of stuff here on endorsements. The people that endorsed her and the people that endorsed Mitch McConnell. Uh (laughs) I can guess. So in fact, she did receive more money. She received more donations yeah. than Mitch McConnell did, and she got over eighty-two million dollars
1: all together, oh, yeah. or in the last cycle.
0: I've got down here, and don't quote me. Total raised. Oh, okay. Eighty-two million three hundred sixty-one thousand four hundred ninety-one and sixty-five cents. <laughs> 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 Mitch McConnell total raised thirty-six million. Six hundred and eighty eight thousand eight hundred and one and fourteen cents. <laughs> fourteen cents, yes. The all-important now the people months. who supported who were the top contributors for McConnell were the Blackstone Group. Of oh, course. course. and they gave him well, almost player. eighty thousand oh. dollars. They're hedge fund investment managers, they specialize in private equity. They have links to commercialization and deforestation of the Amazon forest. <laughs> They're one of the largest investors in leveraged buyouts, if anyone remembers Uh the movie Wall Street (laughs) in the last decade. Their founders are both people who worked for Lehman Brothers. Which no uh, longer exists, right? Just to refresh everyone's memories, including my own, (laughs) Lehman Brothers was a global financial services firm that was the fourth largest investment bank in the united states behind goldman sachs with almost twenty five thousand employees worldwide and on september the fifteenth two thousand eight the firm filed for chapter eleven bankruptcy protection following the exodus of most of its clients drastic losses in its stock and evaluation of assets by credit rating agencies largely sparked by Lehman's involvement in the subprime mortgage crisis and its exposure to less liquid assets. Its bankruptcy filing is the largest in U.S. history and is thought to have played a major role in the unfolding of the financial crisis of 2007 to 2008. That's according to Wikipedia. His other top contributors include Humana, pharmaceutical companies, oil and gas companies, and various financial companies. Amy McGrath's top contributors are the University of California, An organization called Democracy Engine, which according to its website, offers a suite of fundraising tools to empower donors to support organizations and issues that they care about at any level, in any party, in any state. They say that their mission is to provide a solution for anyone who donates to candidates, organizations, committees, or causes. It is an inclusive platform. Donors have the freedom to contribute to organizations, candidates, and causes at any level, from individual donations in local races to multi-candidate contributions in national campaigns. It is a nonpartisan entity, so you can donate regardless of political affiliation. Her other major contributors, according to Project Vote Smart, are AT&T, Microsoft, Walt Disney Company, Stanford University, and Kaiser Permanente. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what I found on Amy's website where she talks about food insecurity and she wants to keep the restaurant industry alive and also combat food insecurity so she's supporting passage of a bipartisan, what's called FEED Act, F-E-E-D, another acronym, which stands for FEMA Empowering Essential Deliveries to Partner with Restaurants to Feed People in Need. So it's FEMA Empowering Essential Deliveries. I'm sure they struggled to get that. Yes, I'm sure. So that would be supporting restaurants and at the same time feeding people who are in need of food.
1: Because she, the restaurants would be producing the food. The
0: restaurants would be producing right. the food, yes. And she also supports the Restaurants Act, yeah. which has bipartisan support, including from some of Mitch's closest allies, to provide funds to restaurants so they can weather the pandemic.
1: Yeah, so many of them are closing. Just well,
2: by the way, many cities already have restaurants doing this, so yeah. why are we so behind?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I noticed just in the last couple of weeks Harvest closed. Yes, here. right. In Nulu two restaurants and Rye. Right. For good.
2: Gone forever.
1: I know, it's just sad, and I'm sure that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, here they no.
0: have all these cooking facilities that we could engage. Yes, right.
1: And yes. I was super sad about Harvest because it was all farm to table. Yes. So it also yes. supported community you know, farms. Yeah, I know, that was sad.
0: Yeah. So she also wants to target federal funds to black and minority-owned businesses In addition to student loan forgiveness for minority college graduates who start businesses. Yes that's a good plan. She's very much into supporting education, pre-K all the way up. She would fight to provide all three and four year olds with access to high quality pre-kindergarten or Head Start programs in order to lay a strong foundation of children and save parents thousands of dollars on child care. Yes,
1: and I, I think that that studies have proven that that's really worth the money.
0: Yes, yeah, it's of course That pre-K
1: because those children grow up to be taxpayers. And yes, they, they
0: do. And they may grow up to be business owners yes. and entrepreneurs and
1: doctors.
0: She says our government has also underfunded public health at no. the NIH and CDC for yes. some time.
1: Yes, you can tell we by our to... response to the pandemic. Yes.
0: Exactly. And that we need to invest in research into diseases, is very heavily into infrastructure investment as well.
1: Which other, in- is another no-brainer to me. It's yeah, like the right. um, public works programs yeah. by Franklin Roosevelt. Right. Put all these unemployed the people...
2: Why don't we do that already? It's just letting Let them the
1: bridges collapse. Let, let everyone go bankrupt. Yes, like Mitch McConnell right. actually said, let the states go bankrupt. On right. a radio interview, he said that. I
0: know. She wants to aid schools. She wants to prioritize equipping schools with infrastructure changes like HVAC systems, PPE. That's personal protective equipment in order to potentially reopen this fall. And she says, if COVID has made anything clear, it's that students also need access to quality broadband.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. The federal government should redouble its commitment to that effort so that if online learning must continue, students have the resources needed. She wants to boost unemployment insurance and to protect renters renters who cares about renters
1: <laughs> yes when they are all evicted and out on the streets that's going to do wonders for the pandemic it and the virus
0: be fine. viral They'll transmission go it with mom she's also big into term limits yeah which i personally am not but
2: I'm for term limits on justices. Yes. I think we need to get rid of that
1: on stupid the Supreme
2: thing, Court, the yeah. lifetime anywhere. Oh, yeah. Why? Yes. Why do we do that? There's reasoning behind it they're not holding yeah. to anybody. Nowhere else in the country do you get a job for life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Sense well,
1: they can be impeached, but I'm sure that's a terrible, yeah, sure long, convoluted happens. process. But what if you have one who's literally suffering we from have dementia? Many
2: that are in terrible shape. <laughs> one
1: also wonders about the 25th Amendment and why we haven't touched that, haven't used it. Yes. That could be an entire show, because the Democrats right now in the House, I think they've introduced legislation or they're preparing legislation to get the Congress more involved. The 25th Amendment right now is for removal of a president when he's incapacitated or unable to serve. I think the legislation the Democrats are trying to introduce, I think maybe they're developing it and haven't introduced it yet, would get the Congress also to weigh in on that process. Because I guess we just didn't foresee that the cabinet would be okay with having someone who's unfit for office. We're in a crisis and it's just pretty clear that he cannot. I mean, he's basically just saying, at this point with the virus, we're just not going to do anything. We're going to let herd immunity. Herd immunity. But it's all the scientists insane. are just saying this is—it's in, it,
0: insanity to yeah. kill millions of people.
1: I was just going to say. It seems to me that even if she's not your ideal, you know,
0: yeah, right.
1: staunch progressive candidate,
0: Amy McGrath, yeah, that right. is, she
1: would be an enormous improvement. Yes. over Mitch McConnell, who actually I meant to get into this more, but it could be another entire show as well. I read a fascinating article by uh, a Mr. Brownstein, who's a historian, a renowned historian and an expert on the rise of fascism in Europe in the 30s and the Hitler regime and the Holocaust and all of that. And it's called The Suffocation of Democracy, and it talks about Uh how this new form of fascism with this newly coined term of illiberal democracy. You don't have to completely shut down elections and all of this. It's like Putin in Russia. You have the veneer of, of holding freedom. elections and the veneer of... But you don't let any opposition candidates... You poison you them. You poison them or, you know, they're not allowed to run or... Yeah.
0: I had that same concept on my show a while back by these authors
1: who wrote How Democracies Die. Die, yeah. Yeah. But apparently, according to this article, Mitch McConnell will go down in history, this gentleman says, as the enabler of this effort to destroy American democracy, because that's what Trump wants to do. He wants to be... A king, an emperor, like, or a dictator like his... Or
2: a CEO, as he's used to being. And just being
1: able to evade yeah. any... I mean, a subpoena? Who cares? How about the First Amendment? When he had the uh, attorney general, or the attorney general just did it because he knew Trump wanted to do it, Clearing peaceful protesters yeah, with right. tear grip gas and police photo batons and flashbang grenades and everything else so that he could walk across Lafayette Square and pose in front of a church with the Bible. Notice he didn't go in. at church he, he probably never attends. And, and he had Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, yeah, right. with him and the Secretary of Defense with him. <laughs> And apparently.
2: And why did they not question this?
1: Well, they thought, according to what I've read, that they were going to inspect something at the church oh, because for there God was some. Say. Oh Vandalism they at the church or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. and instead here they were because Millie actually apologized later for his part in this. As well he should. As well he should. Well, anyway, we're way off the subject. That's another. That's, <laughs> that's another, ten another ten shows, shows right there. And I learned a lot about Amy, and she sounds like she's. She
2: sounds better than we thought she was. Much,
1: extremely well qualified. <laughs> oh my goodness, I didn't have any idea of her. Yeah, uh, right. Her background, and, yeah. and it's really impressive. I mean, I knew she was in the military, Greens, but yes. I didn't know about all these accolades she's received and her right. uh-huh. her, education.
0: her education and all of her national security. Yeah,
1: her background yes, right. in all of that. Yeah. It sounds Great.
0: Like- Something that our Senate could use. Absolutely. Well, Kentucky
1: could certainly use someone who realizes that the pandemic is a threat to national security. The Senate could use a lot more women.
0: I want to thank my guests, Victoria Strange and Melissa Morganson, for coming on my show to help clarify positions, past histories, and backgrounds of the two major party candidates for U.S. Senate, Mitch McConnell... Republican incumbent and Amy McGrath the Democrat although admittedly there were times when we veered off course now as I've done on past shows I'd like to give you all the information you will need to cast your ballot in this election okay early voting is right now that means you can either go in person to vote or you can drop off a filled out and properly signed and sealed absentee ballot into a drop box by going to any one of the following four locations. And they are the Kentucky Exposition Center, at 937 Phillips Lane, the north wing of the fairgrounds, the KFC Yum Center, the foyer, On Main and Second Streets, the Kentucky Center for African American Heritage at 1701 West Muhammad Ali Boulevard, or the Louisville Marriott East at 1903 Embassy Square Boulevard, the Commonwealth Ballroom. They're all open Monday through Saturday, 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m and on election day they'll be open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. you can arrive at any one of these locations in person fill out and submit a ballot or you can bring your filled out and sealed absentee ballot and drop it into a drop box, which will also be at these four locations now Voters who have not yet received a Requested Absentee Ballot can check the status by going to GoVoteKY.com. If you have not received your Requested Absentee Ballot by October the 28th, you may go to any of these locations, these four that I just mentioned, and vote in person or if you didn't apply online for an absentee ballot by the October 9th deadline you can also go to one of these four locations and vote early and I urge you to vote early you can also get this information by going to jeffersoncountyclerk.org and additionally on election day if you have not already voted which I hope isn't the case you will have the option of voting at any one of twenty voting centers which include the four that i just mentioned those four being open right now monday through saturday 8 30 a.m. till 4:30 p.m. for early voting but if you do happen to find yourself voting on november third the day of the election you'll have from six a.m. to six p.m. to go to any one of these 20 locations throughout the county that you can find listed by going to jeffersoncountyclerk.org and as a little postscript if you would like more information on the family court judge candidates for the third division or the two constitutional amendments and the school tax levy proposals that you'll see on the back side of the ballot You can find archived programs on these issues and candidates by going to our website, forwardradio.org, clicking on Programs, and selecting Election Connection. You'll see them on my playlist. Well, that about wraps things up for this edition of Election Connection. Bye for now.